We are back, Husker fans, with another episode of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, a casual podcast for the casual fan because neither one of us has played, coached, or covered college football before. So we're generally going to be full of crap, but we're your favorite two full of crap hosts, and I'm your one host, Ken. And I am the other host, Scott, and I pressed the button on my computer I was not a fan of. I don't know <laughs> what the uh, repercussions of that's going to be, but we'll see. Whoops. It didn't quite go live when we, when we <laughs> wanted it to go live. Is that the plan? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well. man. No, 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 no. I was, uh, I was messing with my notes and uh, <laughs> I almost deleted my document without saving it somehow Oops. by just pressing one button. I don't know what button that was, but <laughs> yeah, that's, I yeah, shouldn't that have pressed be, that again. Yeah, that would be the bad button. Don't press that. Do not press that. Uh, We're here tonight to uh, review the North Dakota game on Saturday that both Scott and I were lucky enough to attend. He went with his three brothers, and they sat in South Stadium and got properly baked. And uh, I sat in North Stadium with my wife. She caught a sunburn wearing a hat while I wore a hat and didn't catch one. So go figure. But either way, all six of us got to see the Huskers. Um, Well struggle through the first half and then uh, pull away in the second half because there was nothing North Dakota could do to stop Anthony Grant in spite of the offensive line that still needs a lot of work. So Nebraska wins 38 to 17. We are going to recap that game tonight. And uh, before we do that, Scott, were there any fun moments during the game on Saturday with your brothers, especially Joey, who's not been to a game yet? What was, uh, kind of his overall he's kind of told me but i'd like to hear your perspective on what he thought of the game (laughs) um he was sitting opposite from me um so i was sitting next to levi and then levi was sitting next to tj and so on and so forth and so he was further away from me but anytime i could peek my head across the uh, row of brothers um he (laughs) he seemed to thoroughly enjoy the experience um especially the tunnel walk because he's mm-hmm. been to one or two spring games. And even though the tunnel walks there can be kind of fun, it's just, it's not the same as a game day experience no. tunnel walk. Um, and I had to make sure to tell him, he was just like, wow, it was crazy how loud it got in there. And I was just like, well, just to let you know, like we're going to go to a game next year, hopefully a night game. <laughs> and um, there wasn't as much volume in the stadium and i would argue that out of all of the games that i've been to it was definitely the quietest i've ever experienced yeah. memorial stadium Me too. um and so i was like i'm so glad that you experience that that your experience of it was loud and energetic just wait next year when we find a game that we can go to hopefully a night game or if it's a day game against a, a more formidable opponent like right you know strap yourself in because it's going to be it's going to be a wild experience but even Mm -hmm. with that being said to him he was very very uh impressed with his experience um seems like it uh it sparked a little bit of something in him where he's like oh i kind of get it now you know like it's this is a this is a fun experience like you know it's it's way different than than watching it on the tv and yep Mm -hmm. that is um that that is a probably a common experience in Nebraska for those who haven't really truly experienced Nebraska 
So that, that leaved me to believe like I must be out of my damn mind because I didn't really <laughs> go to a game until I was in my late teens. And the first game I went to was a loss. And so it's like, dang, if I'm, if I was that sold out for Husker mm-hmm. for, uh, for Husker fandom, like it's, uh, it's, it's pretty telling how, how uh, crazy I must be. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> well, um, yeah, he yeah. enjoyed it. He really Good. enjoyed it. Levi enjoyed it as well. Cause it was uh, the only other game that he went to was last year against Michigan, which was an insanely great mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. but it was obviously a result of an L. Um, so it was nice that he got to experience a W um, and TJ mm-hmm. was uh it was it was kind of a more in, enjoyable experience for TJ because uh, you know lat, the only other game that he had been to was against Bethune Cookman last year. Um, right. So for all of us brothers, um, it was it was a, it was a great experience, and Josiah definitely really enjoyed it. Awesome. You know, this is the second game I got to go to with your mom. The first one being Wisconsin in 2017 which wasn't exactly an enjoyable experience from about midway through the third quarter on because after I can't remember who it was intercepted that pass and ran it in for a touchdown to tie the game 17 to 17. All Wisconsin did was what we did uh, yesterday and that is run the football down our throats. And the final score, if I recall correctly, against Wisconsin in 2017 was 38 to 17. Uh, bad guys, but at least yesterday it was 38 17. Good guys. Um, your mom felt a whole lot better about the team uh, leaving the leaving the stadium yesterday. But at the same time, she's like, "Why did we have to struggle for three and a half quarters against an FCS team?" And I understand the sentiment, uh, but. Hey, they were up against the wall. They faced some adversity and they actually overcame it for the first time. I was worried. I truly was worried that this team was going to fold against an FCS team, which scared me. How the hell do I feel that way about a Husker football team? But I did. And then they didn't. And it was great because, uh, God bless Anthony Grant. We, we rode his, uh, rode his tail the entirety of the game and, uh, he did not disappoint. And you know what? I think the future is pretty bright for a guy named AJ Allen too. He looked pretty good. Oh yeah. Freshman um, looking yes, good sir. as a freshman, true freshman, such a bummer. I want to see more of Gabe Irvin. I really hope we get to see more of Gabe Irvin because he just, he's got that prototypical Nebraska running back body, six foot one, six foot two, 210 pounds, fast as hell can block uh, the blitzers coming up the middle, which AJ Allen was pretty good at that. And so was Anthony Grant. So we know we've got three dudes that can pick up the blitz. Um, so, ah, you know what? We might as well just uh, go in and take a look at the game. What do you think? Let's go. Alrighty. So here we go. Oops. I did not change the slide. Uh, that's just a preview for what's coming up. <laughs> Don't mind me, folks. Uh, Nebraska obviously wins it, 38-17. to 17. Total offensive yards were Nebraska at 437, which was, what, about 100 yards off the pace of what Nebraska, or what, well, Nebraska put up, what, 470 last week or 450? So it wasn't too bad. Uh, North Dakota, unfortunately, put up 306. I thought it was more than that until after the game. I was like, wow, I did not realize they did not even crack the 400 yard marks. It sure seemed like they did. 
Uh, Nebraska's rushing yards were 41 attempts for 244 total yards at 5.95 yards per carry and three total touchdowns on the ground. North Dakota, 33 attempts for 175 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, and one touchdown. Nebraska had 14 of 21 passing for 193 yards, two touchdowns. So Casey's now within 50 yards to be in 500 yards passing on the season, which isn't bad considering last week was against a pretty good defensive backfield for uh, Northwestern. And uh, North Dakota was 24 of 37 for 131 yards and one touchdown, which those uh, those are your typical yards. Now, this next set of stats is kind of what kept North Dakota in this in the game. Even though Nebraska outdid them on first downs, outdid them on third downs, there were a lot of third down conversions that North Dakota made in key situations. They missed on nine of them, but the six that they made were mostly third and long. Um, when Nebraska could have got them off the field and got the ball right back, and they kept a drive going. So even though they weren't as efficient on third down, it was when they were efficient on third down, I think that made a big difference yeah. in the game, yeah, which obviously that. is reflected in the time of possession, right? Because they had the yeah. ball 13, almost 13 more minutes than Nebraska did, and they got one more turnover or Nebraska gave up one more turnover than North Dakota did. So that's kind of the statistical breakdown of the game. Scott, why don't we take uh, just a couple of minutes and you go ahead and give kind of your overall impressions of how Nebraska performed in this football game. We'll kind of get into a little bit more of the minutia of the offense and the defense here in a few minutes. But overall, what was your feeling coming out of the game uh, after that performance on Saturday? Yeah. Um, as we kind of, uh, alluded to Anthony Grant went off, went off the chains. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he was outstanding that game, uh, 189 yards, two rushing TDs, an average of 8.2 yards per carry. Um, mm-hmm. his, yeah, his jump cuts were just, it Crazy. was, it was refreshing to see, um, haven't seen jump cuts like that in probably a decade. Um, decade or less it's definitely been a long time um even with uh divina zigbo he mm. he was very elusive um but i don't think he even had the jump cut ability that that um anthony grant had this game um aj allen looked he looked pretty decent uh he definitely looks like he's got a high ceiling uh, he's sure. just gotta get those fundamentals down and um kind of build up his vision um and look for more of those explosive plays, but from what I could tell, it looks like he could be an explosive player down the road. Um, Trey Palmer had an excellent leaping catch between three defenders. Um, I know that there was a, (laughs) that was a huge play. Holy cow. It it was great hands. Um, I noticed, Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of saw something a little bit different than the rest of the people that I was sitting around. They were really upset at that point at that play because, um, because Casey Thompson didn't lob it down the field. He threw it, as they would say, short. But the way that I looked at it was there was two safeties waiting right behind Trey Palmer at that uh, during that play. And I think mm-hmm. Casey Thompson put it exactly where it needed to go. Um, it was at a little bit high, sure. But it was also 
exactly where it needed to be, where uh, Trey Palmer's athleticism was able to shine, and he jumped mm-hmm. up and and caught that ball. I thought it was really, I thought it was a really neat play. Right. Um, out of the productive receivers, though, all of them had one decent to good play each, but no one really stood out as the go-to guy throughout the entire game. It was pretty evenly spread out. Um, at times, our offensive line seemed to be moving their defensive line a little bit more than last week, um, but it was against an FCS opponent. Um, right. So I'm not necessarily going to count this as a highlight, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, Casey Thompson looked okay-ish. Um, he didn't really impress me all that much. He did quarterback things, but that is expected. <laughs> um, made a couple of mistakes, made a couple of good plays. I would say he mm-hmm. was average at best. Didn't really blow me away in any in any way, shape, or form. Um, moving on to the defense, uh, there were two sacks between Nelson and Mathis, um, and the Nelson uh, the Nelson sack led to the fumble that we recovered. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that was Stefan Wynn who jumped on it. Um, the defensive line seemed to get more pressure last week, but once again, with an asterisk of it was an FCS opponent, um, there were told, there were four total tackles for loss that I thought were at least an improvement from last week. Um, yeah, uh, Nick Henrik, I didn't see him at all today. I don't know. He he did not play. He did not play. They mentioned that at the beginning of the broadcast on BTN that he he was not. He had his jersey on, no pads, nothing. Had a wrist injury, big cast on his wrist. So he's kind of day to day, like like um, like Vokalek is. Ernest Hausman started in his place. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, I noticed. I noticed Ernest Hausman. He 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 looked good. Well, for a kid who's eighteen, nineteen years old, missed a couple of tackles. But um, that's to be expected from a freshman. Missed tackles are not to be expected from guys like Ty Robinson and uh, Luke Kramer and guys like that. So overall for me, uh, the offense looked disjointed for 30 minutes. And then for the last 30 minutes, it looked a lot more like an offense that I expected that we're going to have. Now, Frost was asked in his post-game press conference what was the difference in the play calling between the first half and the second half and whether or not he was involved in more of the play calling. And God bless him, he looked at the guy right in the eye and he said, I'm never going to talk about the play calling, so don't ask. And I thought that was a pretty cool thing for him to say. Um, what that means, I don't know, but I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and it sounded like he was a little under the weather, Frost was, when he was in the red nasal was all blocked up. He said some guys came back with some sickness. So that might explain a little bit of the lethargy in the locker room and on the field uh, yesterday. And it was one of the things I was concerned about coming back from Ireland. Even if we would have won, I would have thought that this would have been a game that Nebraska would have struggled in the first half. Well, and then on Friday I was drinking the Kool-Aid and I thought, yeah, we're going to get out fast. And then we're going to slow down the second half because second, third string was in. It didn't happen, Uh, but we did see some scheme happen in the second half where, you know, they were making sure that Anthony Grant was given the ball as many times as he needed to be given them, given the ball. And he made some holes where there weren't holes. So God bless us. I hope that kid stays healthy the rest of the year, because I have a feeling once we get into the big 10 schedule, he's going to have to make a lot of holes on his own. Um, And then the defensive line. 
I think we saw a lot more stats from uh, Stefan Wynn and Devin Drew than we did against Northwestern. And I think they showed out pretty well. So I have a feeling somewhere in the third or fourth game of the Big Ten schedule, you're probably going to see Colton Feast not getting near as many snaps as somebody like like Stefan Wynn will be getting because that's a big dude. And he he uh, has no problem holding his ground or making some making some hay to get into the backfield. So uh, that looks good. The offense, it's only going to get better from here, I think. Uh, next week should be an interesting test with Georgia Southern having been a team that kicked the living crap out of their FCS opponent. So um, those are my overall thoughts on on the offense and the defense and, and the way the team performed. Let's take a look at uh, some award winners. This is a brand new segment for our podcast uh, because, you know, we're that damn important that we now have our own award segment, right? <laughs> so um, this is the uh, Gen Red Pods Game Breaker Award, which obviously is going to um, Anthony Grant for his uh, 23 carry, 189 yards rushing performance, 8.2 yards per carry and two TDs, including one, well, shoot, both of the TDs he got. It looked like he was stopped at the line of scrimmage and he figured out how to score it out of there and turn it into a touchdown. So that's our offensive game breaker award winner is running back Anthony Grant and edge rusher Garrett Nelson, which Scott talked about earlier because he was an impact player in the game, especially in the first half. And then with his forced fumble in the second half, it really turned some momentum in the game. And he also uh, tipped a pass in the first half that would have would have uh, resulted in a first down. So Eight total tackles, six of them solo, one tackle for loss, a sack, a forced fumble, and a pass defended. Excellent game by Garrett. Um, I'm only hoping he can repeat games like this when he's playing people like Wisconsin, when he's playing people like um, Purdue especially, because you know they don't give six craps from Sunday about running the football. Uh, We saw that on Saturday or Friday night when they played Penn State, but we also saw what happens if you're so – married to the whole pass first thing that you can't salt away a game with uh, three to four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Whereas we did, we did exactly what Northwestern did to us uh, last week and that we just ran the ball, what, 12 straight times before that touchdown pass to Brewington. Um, so those are our game breakers and uh, congratulations to Garrett Nelson and um, Anthony Grant for winning those awards from us. <sighs> Please, guys, come on the podcast (laughs) like they would care. But still, um, here we are. So there you go. Those are our Game Breakers and our Game Wrecker Award. Let's take a look at what we think on the offense in position by position, Scott. And let's give some some ratings on a scale of 1 to 10. uh, For the O-line, for me, I gave them a 5. Dead set in the middle. I think they were good better in the second half than they were in the first half, but still uh, Anthony Grant should not have to figure out how to find a place to run the football. There should be a place for him to run it. And Casey shouldn't have to throw a ball really late to Trey Palmer that had, he had a little bit of time and not had to shuffle his feet a little bit. He could have really put some mustard on that ball and Trey would have scored probably early in the, I think it was third quarter, something like that. Um, and we could have won by quite a few more points. So I gave that offensive line a five. I think you're pretty close to me, aren't you? 
Yeah, I'll just preface um, that every rating that that I give down the line here, I am deducting two points from an eye test that if I were to take an eye test and just give it a rating based on an eye test, um, I would probably add two more points if it was a team that based on an eye test, I could give more. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm deducting two points from every single position observation just because we played North Dakota. And I know that <laughs> they are a good FCS opponent supposedly, and they had been in the FCS mm-hmm. playoffs, you know, what is it? Three out of the last five years, et cetera. Um, but they're right. still an FCS opponent. And I think my observation that is still yet to be proven to come to fruition is I think that the gap between FBS and FCS is shrinking um, talent wise. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that FCS uh, talent is improved. I don't know why I suspect it probably just has to do with um, the trickle down effect of, of just player development in the, at the high school level that there are more high school players getting properly developed going into college Um, that's giving a lot more general population edge. But until I see another few years of that coming to fruition and seeing that gap shrink from a, from a provable standpoint, I'm going to deduct two points from everything. So I just wanted to preface that I gave it a 4.5. Um, I couldn't quite give it a four and I couldn't quite give it a five. Um, because I don't Mm -hmm. think it was that egregious and I don't think it was that average. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, there's still a lot left to be desired, but I would say just below average is the rating that I would give our offensive line. So that's why I went with 4.5. All righty. How about the running backs? Running backs. I gave them a seven. Um, granted, no pun intended. Anthony Grant Ah, went ah, off. I was going to say, Oh, that was a dad joke. That was a dad joke. Good job. But you know, you're not a dad yet. So you can't make those jokes. Just say (laughs) no pun intended. Um, (laughs) granted, uh, Anthony Grant went off. Like he got 189 Mm -hmm. yards. Like he looked good. He looked really good, but with an asterisk, of course, um, it's against an FCS opponent. And he had to make a lot of those things happen with his elusive jump cuts and I think that if you were to if you were to put Anthony Grant in that exact same scenario, but against a more formidable opponent, say like a Northwestern, um, mm-hmm. you don't see as much out of Anthony Grant. And I think that until I see him do this for the rest of the season, I'm going to assume that um, that he's probably just above average in the running back room. And I know that Husker fans might jump down my throat for that. He's did so good. It's like, yeah, let's just wait and see. Okay. Cause there were a couple of running backs that we've, that we've had that have had one explosive game throughout the season. And then they just kind of sputter out and, you it's, know, yeah, it's about consistency, right? You're concerned about the consistency at this point. Yeah. Yes. I gotcha. Um, and like I said, Two points deducted. Would I give him a nine if he was playing against, uh, you know, a, a power five team? Absolutely. You get 189 yards out of a game against against even like a, an Indiana or an Illinois or heck a Northwestern. Any of Minnesota those kind of, back in 2018 by Ozigbo, who yeah. just went off. Yeah. Yeah. You take you take that. Yeah, of course, I'm giving him a nine out of a 10 or even a 10 out of a 10 like that. That would be great. But. It, there's still a lot left to be desired. Um, so that's why I gave him a seven. I can understand your grading scale. 
I do. I I understand that in in many cases when when teams or uh, in colleges and whatnot, folks are being graded on a scale. I looked at this game not based on who the opponent is. I looked at it as based on how the person performed. Um, and the O-line performed at an average level, regardless of opponent. They were average. But Anthony Grant, considering even though the opponent was technically not one that was up to par for what he's going to see for the rest of the season, I thought he absolutely excelled. So that's why I gave Anthony Grant a nine uh, and the backs as a, as a whole, a nine, I would have given him a nine and a half if it weren't for the fact that, you know, when people like Gabe Irvin came in the game, they couldn't really produce anything. And really until the fourth quarter, you know, AJ Allen really didn't do a whole lot, but you know, 244 yards later, 189 of them by grant, you're supposed to rush for at least 200 yards against an FCS opponent. And for me, that earns nine. So I rated the backs at a, at a nine. Uh, tight ends and receivers, I have them at an eight. Again, I'm not grading on a slide quite like you are. I'm not going to deduct two points immediately just because it's an FCS opponent. I want to see what those guys do. And there was a lot of guys running open. And some of them Casey hit, some of them Casey missed. Uh, but for the most part, when the, the ball was there to be caught, they caught it. And Trey Palmer was huge. That one play in the third, was it third quarter or fourth quarter? I don't remember what it was, but it was a big time third down play. We were inside our 10. You don't convert the third and 12. It's 24 to 17, I think, at that point in the game. Man alive, it gets really, really scary in Memorial Stadium at that point if you don't convert. And Trey Palmer went up and he made a play. And that's the one you were talking about, I believe, where two safeties were deep. You had the corner short right and he put it in a window where only trey was going to get it and trey to his credit went and got it and made no bones about it granted again i will qualify it this is an fcs opponent but they came to play meanwhile i'm not sure we really did but trey did and so did casey and so did anthony so i gave the tight ends and receivers an eight for their performance um i know it was only 193 yards passing but you know, Casey was still a 66% completion percentage. So that means so his guys, his guys went out there and got some balls for him. So, uh, <laughs> I know you're a little different from me. So go ahead on what you thought for the tight ends and the receivers. Yeah. Um, I gave him a 5.5. Um, and it's simply because of, like I stated previously, the context of who our opponent is, um, and it's so early in the season, all I can base it off of is just general assumptions about our opponent and their skill level. Um, right. w- I would have given it a higher rating system if we had a standout wide receiver. I would have given it a higher rating system if we so happened to get, you know, an explosive, um, an explosive reception touchdown of some sort. Um I, I, I just, based on the eye test, even against the opponent, there was nothing about our receiver room, even when I rewatched the highlights that stood out to me consistently good. Um, yes, there were, there were tons of individual performances that were done when we needed them to be done. 
Um, and granted, a lot of it re- revolves around our quarterback and how he's able to get balls to people. But if if I'm taking it from the first half, I would I would give it like a four. The first half was like a four or a mm-hmm. three. It was it was god awful. Um, don't know if that was a quarterback issue. Don't know if it was a receiver issue. Don't know if it was a scheme issue. But our wide receivers were basically non-existent in the first half, and the second half was definitely a night and day difference. Um, they were getting where they needed to go, and there were some plays that were made. Um, so I would say it's just slightly above average, um, and that's why I gave it a five point five out of out of ten. Um, that's like I said, context is is the most important thing in my mind when I'm grading a a position groups performance and right. if you culminate all of the context maybe above average at best um but that's just my perspective and and it's uh equally subject to criticism as anybody else um but yeah that's that's what i give well i think you're full of crap but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's okay because i think they were better than that i think they were way better than a 5.5 because i think when Casey needed a play to be made, to be made, they made the play. And to me, that that's far more important when you're weighting their performance than it is to, you know, completely crap on a dude because he's not perfect. Well, there we go. Of course, my camera decided to die. <sighs> I don't have another <laughs> camera hooked up. So, um, that's okay. Um, this is just going to be recorded and put on on a podcast anyway. Um, no, yeah, it's my camera's it, fine. I can see it on the computer; it's fine. But hmm. for some reason, <laughs> camera hub took a poop yeah, on you. Maybe. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll mess with it here. Um, see, we don't have a third person on here right now, so I can't just throw it to you two guys and reconnect quarterback Um, why don't you go ahead and just talk about what you thought of casey which he was the only one in so you can't talk about the other quarterbacks but go ahead and give your grades for the quarterbacks i'm gonna pop out and pop back in while you talk about that okay all right um yeah so quarterbacks tight ends and receivers they kind of go in tandem with each other and i gave them the exact same rating scale for that reason um and it's only specifically because of how both of them performed in tandem. Um, they performed very evenly. The way that I saw Casey Thompson perform was pretty much equal to how the receivers performed. Casey made some things happen, but Casey also didn't make some things happen. Wide receivers and tight ends made some things happen, but they also didn't. Um, would have I liked to see Casey find a wide open guy? Sure, but were there any wide open guys just so blatantly open that there was mm-hmm. just like a, a just a, a a holy crap moment? No, there wasn't anything like that. Um, and so the quarterback was just kind of having to work with what he got. Um, the the two areas that I really deducted points from was he wasn't paying attention, wasn't paying paying attention to his side, got just absolutely walloped by an edge rusher, fumbled the ball. Through, wasn't paying attention down the field. There was a linebacker standing right in the middle mm-hmm. that he clearly didn't see, or maybe he, he did and he didn't, yep. and he didn't get it over his head. So he threw a pick, uh, acquired mm-hmm. a fumble, 
And so if, if he didn't do those two things, I would have given a, a larger, uh, contrast between quarterback rating and wide receiver rating. But because he did those two things, I thought it was pretty even. Um, like I said, I think, I think the quarterback rating also would have been better had our receivers and our tight ends found more explosive ways to get open. And I just didn't see that. Um, so in tandem with each other, quarterback and receiver and tight end rating, I gave them both a 5.5, just even because I don't think that either position group did better than the other. Um, yeah, so pretty much all together, and I'll just I'll just tally up my average overall of our offensive performance. Basically, as I've been describing, aside from Anthony Grant, we were above, slightly above average just across the board from my observational standpoint um, Mm -hmm. with a 5.6 out of 10 overall. And that is with, um, I I have a little bit different of a perspective. Granted, dad, you did, you did have the ability to watch (laughs) probably the full game on big 10 network. I only watched, I I only watched a 32 minute highlight um, on, on YouTube Mm -hmm. of highlights, obviously, which is honestly more telling to me because generally when I rewatch highlights of a game, especially a full highlight, a 30 minute, a 25 minute, 35 minute, when you just getting mm-hmm. the highlights of the game, um, I tend to have a little bit more rose colored glasses and I didn't sure. have that watching this full video, um, rewatching our offense altogether. I was, I was, I was hoping, I was hoping when I watched it that maybe it looked a little bit better than what I saw in the stadium. And from my observation, it looked basically the same. Um, Okay. So, yep. That's my overall 5.62 overall rating across the entire offense. What did you see out of the quarterback room? (laughs) I saw a seven. Um, I just saw that when Casey needed to complete a ball, he did. Uh, when guys were open, he put it on them. And um, granted, we did not throw the ball a lot in comparison to the Northwestern game. You know, we put a lot of the the emphasis of our offense on Anthony Grant's shoulders. And God bless that kid. He made it work. He, he made sure that uh, when he had a chance to make a play, he made a play. And Casey did the same. Uh, yeah, there was the sack, the strip, the strip sack. The um, the interception was certainly not very good. That was right in my end of the field, and I could see it. So maybe I'm giving him a little more benefit of the doubt than I should. Maybe I should rate him more down where you did. But I thought when it really mattered, when it came to putting a ball where it needed to be put to convert a huge third down play to turn the momentum of the game, Casey did it. He put it where Trey was going to catch it. Trey caught it. And then after that, we scored 14 unanswered points. Um, So something that the guy that was there before him never did. When it really mattered, when it really meant putting the game away, Casey put a game away. He He put a ball where it needed to be so that the guys could go down and score. And, uh, to me, that carries a lot of weight. And maybe that's because of four years of watching the previous guy not do that. I'm going to weight it a little heavier than you are. So for me, the quarterback gets a seven 
And overall, the offense gets a seven and a quarter, and that's probably a little bit high. I'm thinking the offensive line probably should have gotten a little bit lower grade, but I'm going to stick by it. I'm going to say seven and a quarter points. And who knows, next week when competition technically goes up a level because Georgia Southern is a Division One school, um, maybe my grade won't be quite as high, or maybe we're going to kick the living daylights out of them because this team got a confidence boost from facing some adversity and uh, pulling out a win. So that's where I stand. I've got a 7.25 overall for the offense. When you score 38 points and you put up that kind of yardage and whatnot after you were kind of stymied in the first half, uh, I give that a little bit of I give that a little bit of credence. So let's take a look at the black shirts. All right. Defensive line. I'll go ahead and kick this one off. I gave it a six. And I would have given it a lower score if it weren't for the second half. If it weren't for the fact that I consider Caleb Tanner, even though he played a lot off of the line, I don't know if you noticed that on Saturday, but O'Shawn was on one end, Garrett was on the other end, and technically Caleb was sitting in that spot that Terrell Farley used to play back in the day, that weak side rush uh, guy that was going to be there to, to make sure the quarterback didn't get outside of contain. So, um, D-line, I consider guys like Garrett, and I consider O'Shawn Mathis in there. So I gave him a six because um, O'Shawn got a sack. Garrett got a sack. The middle two guys, they struggled a little bit. There were some missed tackles and stuff. Uh, I saw a couple times where Robinson got into the backfield, could have tackled the running back for a loss, didn't do it. Um, So the only reason I didn't go higher than a six was because mostly because of the missed tackles. I think otherwise those guys played a fairly decent game with Garrett getting the strip sack and with Caleb uh, making sure that he got some tackles out on the edge when (laughs) normally you shouldn't have a linebacker out there on the edge tackling a wide receiver, but he did it a few times that day. And, um, you know, O'Shawn got his sack too. So I, I put it up there for a six. How about you? Yeah, I'm a little bit, obviously, more pessimistic um, on their defensive line. I would have loved, I would have loved to see them do a little bit better than what my eye test was showing me. Um, But at the same time, I didn't honestly expect it, um, just Mm -hmm. because we looked so stagnant and so lackluster against Northwestern Mm -hmm. last week. I I set my expectations low. And in my opinion, they came out looking exactly like what I saw them, what I saw them to look like. Um, And what they looked like to me was, eh, you know, there was a few, few things. They were creating some more There were flashes, but there wasn't consistent play. Yep. Yes, exactly. There was some pressure sometimes, but not all the time. And when we did create pressure, I don't know if, if our, our shed, our block shedding, techniques are just god awful or if we were just getting the the runaround from uh miss uh, mm-hmm. Co- give me a second there we go missed a phone call um You're fine. i don't know if we were uh getting getting the runaround from north dakota's offensive line i really couldn't sure. tell um but yeah like you said there were some flashes that were like, okay, but I expected that. I expected that against a North Dakota. Um, it would have been 
way more concerning if we looked exactly the same way we did against Northwestern. Um, but what, what I would have loved to see is a lot more pressure, a lot more yep. tackles for loss, especially on that interior line. Um, if there was one highlight of, of North Dakota was the fact that they put a buck 75 on us. And a lot of that was on our interior line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that reason, I'm giving them a five for exactly what we, what I've already said. There were some flashes, there was some pressure, but not enough to, to make them go above that average threshold. So I give them a five. All right. Throw down with your linebacker grade. Yeah, I give it a six. I give it a six um, just because it seemed to me that there was a little bit more tackling discipline. But upon watching the highlights, I really couldn't interpret whether or not we made a, a, a step forward or a step back. Um, one thing that made me give them a six uh, as opposed to a five was that I think that North Dakota's rushing attack would have actually been a lot more effective if it wasn't for our linebackers and our nickel spots. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac Gifford had a great game. Um, if, if, it, if it wasn't for the fact that Garrett Nelson got that strip sack, um, Isaac Gifford would have probably been right next to him as, as a tie because he had the same amount of tackles. Um, I think he even had a, a tackle for a loss. Let's see here. Yeah, he had a tackle for loss. He had seven solo tackles. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me and what I saw out of out of the inside linebackers in the nickel nickel spot was that they were filling in the spots that our defensive line were falling short on. Um, and so for that reason, I'm going to give them just a slightly higher score than the defensive line, but not really overall impressed with them. I'd just say that they were above above average at best i would love to see them do a little bit more against georgia southern so tentatively sure. i'm just going to kind of hold back on my overall like did they do great i don't know did they do bad i don't know <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. I give them a six all righty well as you can see my camera has decided to take a dump on me which is normal that's the way things happen when you do new technology I'm right there pretty close to you. I've got the uh, linebackers at a seven. I thought they played way better in the second half than they did in the first. Um, but it's a couple points above average. That's that's about all I can give them. And I think we're pretty copacetic on the defensive back performance. I thought there was a lot of missed tackles that didn't need to happen. But I thought the safeties played a little better than they had been playing. I thought. Uh, I thought they deserved a six. So that's just above average, which is, you know, Hey, that's what I was as a student. So (laughs) I I can live with above average. (laughs) What did you think of the defensive backs? Well, I try to fix my freaking camera. Um, yeah, I, I thought that they were just slightly above average. I gave them a six for the same reason that I gave the linebackers a six. It seemed to me that if I were to, if I were to give the defensive backs a rating last week, I would have given them a five. I thought that they took a slight step forward, especially in the, you know, like you said, the safety position. Um, there were a few things that I saw last week against Northwestern where there was some miscommunications that were very disheartening to see. 
Um, and we didn't see that at all. Was it because Northwestern's passing attack was God awful or was it because our safeties somehow figured out how to communicate a little bit better? I don't know, but I'm going to be more inclined to say that our safety and our cornerbacks room were a little bit more locked down. Um, but like I said, at the beginning of talking about our rating scale, it's against an FCS opponent. Um, so I refuse to give them anything higher than a six. I'll wait and see how they do against a, uh, a Kyle Van Treese next week. Um, I will wait, especially until we see how they do against Oklahoma to know for sure exactly what our defensive line, our linebackers, our defensive backs, and across the entire offense, exactly what they're going to look like. Um, but yeah, it looks like with that combination of a one to 10 scale, I gave across the board, the offense and the defense combined, I gave them basically a 5.6. So just slightly above average, not really overall impressive, um, which honestly, our offense definitely from the eyeball test looks more formidable than our defense does. Uh, but the big blemish, the big area of concern that makes somehow our offense and our defense from my perspective look completely even is the fact that our offensive line is just so freaking awful that yeah. if we even had an average offense, if I was giving them a six, like, of course, my, my, my overall offensive rating scale would be, a, would be significantly higher, but it's sure. not, um, so I've got a 5.6 on the offense and I got a 5.6 on the defense overall. And <laughs> thank you so much for making sure you could keep going while I was not here. I don't know what's going on with my camera. It's probably software related, but I'm back. And I think my overall on the offense was what a 7.25. My overall on the defense was a 6.33. Because I thought the the offense putting up thirty eight points is deserving of a seven and a quarter rating. Defense giving up seventeen points is probably worthy of a lower rating that I gave them. But six point three three is okay. That'll work. We got the win. So let's look at the special teams, uh, kicking and punting. I know this is where it gets nuanced, right? Because punting was great, kicking was yeah, because. That wasn't an onside kick. According to Scott Frost in the post-game post comments, that was not a called onside kick by him. Bill Bush or whoever decided to say, hey, let's squib kick it, take as much time off the freaking clock as we can uh, when we kick this ball. And then, of course, he squibbed it right into the dude's arms because that's just what happens for us, right? So kicking, I would say that the the... Frankie, when he kicked it long, it went all the way to the end zone. So to me, that's pretty good. Other than the squib kick, you know, kicking off, he did great. Other than the one for two on field goals, which should have been two for two because that was well within Bleak Road's um, range, I would have given him an eight or a nine if he would have made both of them. And then we would have won 41 to 17, and it wouldn't have been near as uncomfortable a win as it was. So when you compi compare that with the 
outstanding performance by Bushini. He only had one punt under 40 yards during the day. Uh, that means a lot. So I gave him over an overall a seven on the kicking punting. What did you think? Yeah, I'm a little bit more um, pessimistic about it. Um, of course you are. <laughs> yep. yep. You've only known pain in your Husker fandom life. So I get it. I, I completely get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, you, you made a a messed up squib and you missed a pretty short field goal attempt with the context of there was wind directly in his face and it was slightly crossing, but I mean, you got to make those, you got to make those field goals, even though he was able to accomplish a, a slightly larger one later. Um, Right. Or it was like 46 yard. Was it a 46 yard field goal? Is 36. that what it was? 36 it was or 37. 36. Yeah. 36. Let's see. It was about the same. Oh, he made, he made, he made a, he made a 46 yard attempt and then he messed up the 37 yard one. Okay. Um, he made a 46. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yes. Um, I give him a six because those kind of mistakes are going to absolutely screw you when you play a team that's even worth a crap. Uh, yep. And yes, punting. The, the fact that we have a kicker that can kick it out of the end zone every single time, so long as he doesn't try and kick it shorter than that. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and we've got a punter. And aside, like I, looking at Timmy Bleak Road, he's got a high ceiling, but we need to, yeah. we need to hash out those mistakes. Um, looking at it for, with the context of it's against North Dakota. I give it a six out of a 10 simply because if you were to take that exact same performance and put it up against a, a power five team, those mm. things could be the difference between winning and losing a game. Yep. Um, yep. And so I give them a little bit lower of, of a rating um, because of that punishment. Like you do that against an FCS opponent, like you're, you're fine mm-hmm. because you can, you have a little bit more room for uh, error, but, don't you All dare right. be doing that later on. All right. So your uh, assessment of the return units, then, what do you think? I don't know. I just, it's, just, <laughs> it's like, what, what What did we do with the return units? Nothing. I it, There wasn't anything that, that stood out, and there wasn't anything that, that caused me for concern, so I just gave them a five. Like, you didn't do any... I mean, the one part that the one part that made me uh, concerned was yes, Isaiah, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. He made a on the spot decision to leap forward and receive that ball. Um, I've seen people make the, uh, the comment that, Oh, it's so good that he did that. Cause that ball might've done something crazy if he had not done that. Um, I just have a little bit of PTSD when I see um, a a, <laughs> yeah. a punt returner do that because it's I get it. You're a receiver, you've got good hands, but you leap for that ball and and it just so happens to bobble out of your hands and and end up on the turf instead of in your bread basket. Like you're gonna you're gonna be in a world of pain. Um, and then same thing mm-hmm. was it Wyatt Lever was or was it who was it that was confused about if the ball was a live ball or not. And that was as the, yeah, yeah, that was why like, what are you doing? Like those two things just kind of make me go, 
Like just, ugh, what are you doing? Um, so I gave him a five. I gave him a five. Not great. Not terrible. Just mm-hmm. average, I guess. For the exact same reasons that you just laid out, I gave them a five as well. Uh, Wyatt Lever's decision to grab that football when it wasn't all that clear that the guy for North Dakota touched it first, uh, just dead on stupid, bad decision, which has been a hallmark of a Scott Frost team for four years leading into this year is bad decisions. Last week, it was a bad decision on the part of a coach who said, eh, it's onside kick and took all the momentum away from his team. This week, it was a bad decision by, as you said, Castaneda to run up and try to catch a ball that looked pretty sketchy to try to catch. But at the same time, he was kind of in that no man's land. If it bounces directly in front of me, is it going to bounce off of my chest and somebody's going to dive on it? Should I run up and try to catch it? So he was kind of in that and credit Georgia Southern. They were like, we're going to make every single returner on this team make a decision. Do I field it? Do I let it go? And they did really well at that. So, um, yeah, I gave it a five as well on the return units. That's got to get better. So now that we're done reviewing the game, let's take a look at our plus minus results from last week. We had set up our plus minus as plus or minus two sacks by the black shirts. Now, if both of us would have took the number, both of us would have got two points because that's exactly what we got, two sacks. But we both said minus, so we both got nothing. So at this point in the in the in the season, you and I are zero and zero. So we're dead even, which is way better than we were last year, because I think you had a two or three point lead on me last year. So I feel better about this year already. So zero and zero on the plus minus for North Dakota, which means we just don't have any clue what this dang defense is gonna do when it comes to sacks, right? <laughs> yep, I was uh Obviously, I was I was basically just daring the defense to do anything worthwhile. Um, <laughs> yeah, by predicting zero sacks, um, just like just do something, do mm-hmm. anything. Be like, for the love of God, like go over my number of zero. All you have to do is get one sack, um, and they did. They got two. Um, it it didn't really surprise me, but at the same time, it was like, well, good. Good. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. If if we had the right. same black shirt defense that we had last year, I would have easily picked the number two. I would have probably picked over. I would have picked three or four. Um, so the fact that they got two is just mm-hmm. all right. Work. You should get two sacks on a North Dakota. So you should get good six, job. but that's just me. Um, yeah. That's why I picked two for the over under or the plus minus because I thought we'd get more. But then I was like, after last week, I was like, ah, maybe not. Um, so there you go. That is the plus minus results for the North Dakota game. Scott and I are still tied at goose eggs. So let's move on and take a look at Georgia Southern. We'll just take a few minutes to do this. There's not a whole lot to talk about other than the fact that they played an FCS opponent as well on Saturday and they kicked the living daylights out of them 59 to 7 over Morgan State. Uh so they're one and oh we're one and one. They had a total of 504 yards of offense, 367 yards by via the pass with four touchdowns as well as 137 rush yards with four touchdowns. That's not normal. How the hell do you get four touchdowns with 137 yards rushing? 
Well, it's probably because they got a few turnovers, and I think they got four of them. And they averaged 6.5 yards per play. So, predictions. You predicted 48 to 20. I predicted 58, 56 to 7. <laughs> I think we're probably going to update those uh, predictions tonight. So, why don't you go ahead and say what you think is going to happen this week against Georgia Southern, which we're going. Both of us are going to be up there. I think we're going to the 600 level, aren't we? You yep. and our wives. Oh, yep, God, we're going to. the best place to watch a game. Oh, it seriously is. It is per- spectacular views. You get to see everything. Yep. Everything happen. You get all all access, VIP access to bathrooms and concessions. Mm. And no so, trough pissing. No yes. trough pissing. That's awesome. It is great. Um, <laughs> so go so, ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. No, you're fine. Um, we are playing a team that, in contrast to the to the FCS opponent that we played versus the FCS opponent that they played, um, obviously North Dakota is a way better uh, FCS team. I mean, last year they went five and seven, but as as I think we stated last week, or everybody's talked about, is the fact that North Dakota lost six of their games by one score or less, um, which sounds very familiar as Husker fans. Yeah. Um, Whereas Morgan State, they only had two wins last year, and they got blown out in a lot of their losses um, against pretty terrible teams as well. Um, So I think that obviously it's a new year for North Dakota. It's a new year for Morgan State. But mm-hmm. I think that obviously North Dakota was a way better FCS opponent for us to face. And Georgia Southern, they've got a good head coach with Clay Helton. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a Buffalo quarterback. quarterback. That, yeah. yeah, they've got a quarterback that's got experience um, with Kyle Van Treese. And that should sound familiar to Husker fans because we played him last year mm-hmm. against Buffalo. Um, and he had a pretty good game against us last year. Um, yeah. So, those are the two things to to highlight as concern. They're going to be coached well. They're going to have a a competent quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, like you look at uh, Georgia Southern's game against Morgan State, and they blew them out of the water. They beat them uh, fifty nine to seven with four total rushing, four total passing touchdowns, mm-hmm. over five hundred yards of offense. Um. Yeah, should I've got be a, a test for this defense for sure. Yes, it's gonna be it's gonna be a test. Um, and it's gonna be under the lights. And as uh, many coaches have explained that I've listened to on podcasts, is that even though night games are fun for the fans, they're not fun for coaches or the players because it's just a long time to go through the rest Mm -hmm. of your day trying to figure out a routine that keeps you busy and keeps your mind right. And so I don't know, this game's got me on upset alert. If I'm being honest, Um, it would not surprise me if this comes down to the end of the game before we figure out who's going to win. Sure. uh, Did I, did I think that we were going to lose against North Dakota? Honestly, no. Um, Even though it was kind of a crazy, first half there really wasn't a point where i'm sitting there in the game that i'm i'm like man north dakota's gonna beat us today 
Um, I just, I, I just didn't see that. I, I saw all we got to do is just start running the ball a little bit more. And that's exactly what they did. And thank God that that's what they did. Um, but I see this being a very, very painful game to watch again. Um, until I see Nebraska come out and play a really clean game and do everything right. And they all are synchronized and have continuity across the board. Um, I think this one's going to be a painful one to watch. Do I think Nebraska wins? Of course. Um, but I think that this one's going to probably make our buttholes pucker up a little bit more than what we just experienced with uh, North Dakota. All right. So what's your score? I've got it. And I had to think about this very thoroughly quarter by quarter. <laughs> um, exactly what I was thinking was going to happen. Um, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be a 31 to 27 victory for Nebraska. Um, I think Georgia Southern's got a formidable offense. Um, I think that we still have yet to figure out our defensive schemes. Um, and so I just, I just think it's going to be a, a close game. 31, 27, 31, 27. I, I know I originally, uh, when we talked, what Friday night with Brian from the uh, Husker Army podcast? I said fifty-six to seven, a repeat of the game against uh, Northwestern last season. After Saturday, now one of two things is going to happen after Saturday. Number one, it galvanizes the team, and there's that word again. We've said it a lot since we started this podcast, and most of the time, it freaking hasn't happened. But I think it's probably going to galvanize this team. I think you're probably going to see Nebraska sitting tied with Georgia Southern going into the the fourth quarter. And because of how they figured out how to win against a really scrappy North Dakota team, I think this team pulls out a win that's not quite as close as yours. I think it's tied 24 to 24 going into the fourth quarter. I think Casey Thompson makes some big plays. I think Anthony Grant makes a couple of big runs against a worn-out Georgia Southern defense. And when it's all said and done, Nebraska pulls out the 34-24 to victory, and it gets sealed by a Tommy Hill interception with two and a half Ooh. minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. That's how bold I see it. prediction. That's bold, baby. That's bold because I'm all about the bold. Yep. And um, I, I think that uh I think what Husker fans need to look out for, this is a stat line yeah. that um that kind of had cause for concern. Maybe I'm reading too much into the tea leaves, but one of the stat lines that I noticed with Georgia Southern is that just under half of Georgia Southern's passing yards came from receptions of twenty plus yards or more. And Northwestern mm-hmm. had that exact same ratio against our black shirts. Um and what I'm going to look for is like we had just discussed in our previous segment about our safeties and Mm -hmm. our cornerbacks. The reason why Northwestern was able to do that was because of miscommunication and well, pretty much just that miscommunication and, and, and being out of place with their roles on the defense. Sure. I see that that's being our, that being our primary weakness, um, playing against Georgia Southern. Give me just a second here. I've got a million tabs and I'm trying to find the one that I was on. Um, <laughs> You're okay. Where'd I put it? Why'd I do this? There we go. Okay. So 
the reason why that causes is cause for concern is because when I'm looking at Georgia Southern playing against Morgan State last week, they had two receivers. One of them had basically 100 yards of, of receiving yards. He had 99. Another one had 88. Another one had 60. And then between three other wide receivers, around 30, 20 to 30, and pretty evenly spread. So that tells me mm-hmm. that they've got multiple guys that Kyle Van Treese is looking for. And, and if you look at Northwestern, it was kind of the same thing. They had a few guys that were kind of their standout guys. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Northwestern or North Dakota? Northwestern. Um, Northwestern. They had, uh, Malik Washington, um, Evan Hole also pulled in a couple ones and Nero and, and Gordon and, uh, Navarro and all that stuff. It looks so eerily similar to me that we're going to find out if our safeties and our secondary can take a step forward in this game because I see that being the Achilles heel of this game for us. If they do exactly what they did against uh, against Morgan State where mm-hmm. they're getting chunk plays because of linebackers or, or safeties or cornerbacks being out of position or just getting out-schemed, um, we could be in a world of hurt. That's the Achilles heel I'm going to be looking for if Nebraska and the Blackshirts can uh, kind of buckle down and 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 uh, kind of uh, sure. fix those things. They need to fix those things. Um, but yeah, but 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 obviously, devil's advocate. I'm not entirely sure if the 59 points scored by the Eagles was due to them having a good offense or if it's just because Morgan State is that bad. Um, I, I'm more inclined to say sure. that Morgan state is just that bad, but the fact that those stat lines look so similar, um, mm-hmm. is cause for concern for me. I think that Kyle Van Treese has a lot more talent in his wide receiver, wide receiver room with Georgia Southern than he had with Buffalo. And okay. that was a pretty close game up until, I know I want to say it was a close game. It was a close score game. I just feel like Nebraska should have done better against Buffalo, but you've got a guy like Kyle Van Treese who knows what our defense is going to do and, and what they're going to look like. And they're taking a step back than what they were last year. If I were Kyle Van Treese, I would feel pretty confident against our secondary. Yeah, that's a good point. That's absolutely a good point. I, I don't know, man. I'm worried about this game a little bit, uh, but at the same time, I think we're going to be fine. I think you saw something that we didn't see from uh, Shenander in the first six quarters of play or seven quarters of play in uh, that that North Dakota game, and that was you saw them play up with the defensive defensive backs a lot more often in that second half against North Dakota. Uh, we'd been playing a lot of shell coverage where – you're passing off receivers to other defensive backs and whatnot playing in that zone. Yeah, it's so much zone. easier if you're getting up on a guy and going, I got you, I got you and nobody, you're not getting by me. That That's a way easier p- way to play defense. It's more aggressive. And I think, um, Shander figured it out. I need to get more aggressive. I can't be sitting back and waiting and not showing what I'm going to do on defense until I get into the important games. Nah, you got to figure that shit out now. Figure out how to cover those guys now when everybody's not all that good. You can't be all prideful and say, oh, I'll just play some basic vanilla crap. I'm not going to blitz much. I'm going to just run back in zone and just dare these inferior talented receivers to beat me. 
well, he's gotten burned for a couple of weeks in a row now. And I think he finally figured out, screw it. Let's just go out there to win and give everybody notice that this is what we're doing and try to beat it because I don't think you're going to beat uh, Quentin Newsom too often. I don't think you're going to beat Tommy Hill too often. Now, maybe he was playing that shell to cover up for the inexperience of Marquise Buford. I don't know, but I think when Marquise moved up a little bit, I think it was a little more effective. So, you know, you make a great um, point with that. I, I completely, I didn't make the connection between the two that, yeah, compare contrasting the game against Northwestern versus North Dakota. You're right. They basically in the second half of North Dakota, mm-hmm. they went out of that zone soft coverage. It was, it was very man to man. They dared them to up. run the ball. They yeah. dared them to run the ball. Yep. And they couldn't. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't make that connection. And now that you pointed yep. it out, like that good on you, Shenander for that one. Yep. Absolutely. So, that pretty much covers our uh, preview of uh, Georgia Southern. Let's take a look at the plus minus. Uh, Anthony, between Anthony Grant and uh, AJ Allen, Nebraska put three rushing touchdowns in the end zone this week. And I have put the plus minus at three offensive TDs by the Husker running backs. Doesn't have to be by one guy, just all the running backs or even quarterback. We get three TDs on the ground against Georgia Southern. Do you take the plus? Or do you take the minus, or do you think it's going to be exactly three? Um, <laughs> this one's this one's kind of kind of hard. Um, I'm I'm I I had it written down. I'm taking the number, um, and I'm sticking with that. I'm taking the number at three touchdowns. Um, I I want to say that we honestly we get a little bit more than that. Um, sure. But I'm going to play it safe and say that we, we get three. Um, and I, and I really don't, I, I hadn't really thought about it too in depth because even though I was able to make these comparisons between Georgia Southern and Morgan state, North Dakota, et cetera, right. even bringing <laughs> Northwestern back into the fold, um, this one was actually pretty difficult because I don't know what our running game is going to look like. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if we do a little bit more fancy stuff um, in the red zone with some uh, play action. That's kind of what I'm thinking I'm going to see is a little bit more play action. If we had the same exact performance that we did against, against North Dakota, I would honestly take over and go with five touchdowns uh, mm-hmm. on the ground um, or four, four or five. Um, but I'm going to say I'm going to say three. I think that three of 21 points out of the 31 points that I think we're going to score, I think come in the ground, and then there's probably one uh, one touchdown pass in there. So I'm going to go with three. Alrighty. Well, I'm kind of in the same. I'm in the same boat. I'm taking the number as well. I think there's going to be three three touchdown passes uh, or th- touchdown runs. Excuse me. So that would be 21 of the 34 points I'm predicting us to score. I think you probably have um, two field goals, and then another, and then another touchdown pass to uh, either Borkature or Brewington. I mean, it seems like Casey's hitting uh, hit the tight ends exclusively on Saturday, and I, I'm really hoping Vokalek is back for Oklahoma. I doubt it. I, I think he's probably going to be out at least until the Big Ten starts. Um, but 
I'm taking the number. I think you've got three three offensive touchdowns by the QBs and the run back, running backs combined. So I have a feeling Casey gets another one this week, and Grant probably gets two more before he's out midway through the fourth quarter, and AJ kind of takes over. So there you go, plus minus. We're both taking the number. So if both of us lose, we both end up being negative one starting next week. So at least we won't have zeros in the column, right? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> There's a positive negative to that negative or some something like that. Anyway, now I, I'd put fun facts in here. Is there one that you've got that you haven't said yet, even though we don't have a guest tonight and that sucks because I really was really looking forward to talking to Brandon. Um, but is there any kind of a fun fact since last season that has popped up in your life that you'd like to share with the folks out here? Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, we'll just say that, uh, that, so I, I might've stated this fun fact before, but, um, I actually do apartment maintenance, um, mm-hmm. for a really, really good company here in Lincoln. They are phenomenal. They treat employees really well. Um, right. we have a really competent CEO and he is, he is exactly what I would want out of a, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, an owner of a company. Um, but that's not the fun fact. The fun fact is that I'm really dang proud of uh, my progression in my job. Um, it's been basically five, well, four, four years since I got out of the Marine Corps, four years. And um mm-hmm. Most of that time has been working in apartment maintenance with the exception of about a five or six month stint in, uh, in HVAC installation. Um, hated that. Um, it is so repetitive and, and so mundane. And, and it's just like, uh, the thing I like about, uh, about apartment maintenance is it's a variety of skill sets that all need to be, uh, polished. Um, and at this point at, I'd say three and a half years of doing apartment maintenance that uh, I can, I can confidently say that I am uh, pretty well-rounded at this point. I got to work on my speed at which I complete work orders and got to do a little bit more in the attention to detail realm of things. Um, But overall, I'm pretty proud of the work that I've been able to accomplish in the last uh, three and a half years. And I love this job. And if anybody out there, loves the idea of a jack of all trades um type of career field that mm-hmm. is generally very rewarding in the long run um on the pay scale basis um i highly recommend it it's a it's a really fun job it's like if you really like legos and you really like taking things apart and understanding the functionality of components across an entire living quarters um this is a great job. It's freaking awesome. So fun fact about me is that I love my job. And if anybody's ever interested in this kind of line of work, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter at Scott Genred pod, or find me on Facebook, Scott McCone, and we can have a conversation about it. Especially if you have, um, if you have experience in those things might have an opportunity for you in the coming future. So, um, yeah, that's just a fun fact about me. That's pretty awesome, man. I, I love it. I love that you found something that you've really gotten fired up about. Uh, my fun fact is also work-related and the fact that 
I'm, uh, as they say, I think I probably mentioned this on a previous podcast, kind of like you have, that I don't drive a big truck anymore, obviously, because most of our live streams are either here at home or in a hotel room somewhere. Uh, because I'm now doing RV transport. I absolutely love it. Uh, so technically I'm not driving a semi. So of course I'm semi semi retired because of course I have to do the dad joke associated. And, um, we're headed to Colorado tomorrow morning. We already have a trailer. Uh, we're parked out at the South brothers here in Lincoln. We'll pick that and grab the truck and, Head to Colorado tomorrow, drop it off first thing Tuesday morning. Then we're coming back home and we're probably home until after the Oklahoma game. So sweet. Uh, it's pretty sweet being able to do this and make a decent enough living where you don't have to constantly be on the go. So I'm enjoying it. It's it's so much fun being with your mom 24-7 on the road. You know, you thought it would be a challenge and there are days that it is after being apart from each other for 300 days a year for 16 years to go from that to 24 seven every day is, is different, but it's a good different. It really is. It's a good different. It's taught us how much it, how important communication is, how important it is to say what you mean and mean what you say. And and that's really cool. We really enjoy it. Uh, So that's kind of our fun fact. Uh, The other fun fact that's going on with us right now is that we are, being a, we are part of the promotional team for the Team Jack Foundation's 10th annual Radiothon. So, if you have ever thought about supporting the Team Jack Foundation, now is the time to do it. September 29th, from 7 p.m. to 6 or 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Boy, that would be a weird telethon time. 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Whoo, uh, or 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. But uh, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. They're doing a Radiothon. I've got the link. I need to post it in the show notes. So make sure you go down to the show notes. You'll see the link to the live stream so you can tune in and a donation of $20 a month uh, will go a long way toward helping these kids with uh, pediatric brain cancer. Because I believe the statistics are about 5,000 kids a year get diagnosed with it. About 40, 30 to 40% of them survive and all of them have to deal with the uh, adverse effects that the treatment has on them for the rest of their lives. So, um, so there you go. Team Jack Foundation annual radiothon. Go to teamjackfoundation.org for more information or to donate to the cause. And we would truly appreciate it if you would do that. Um, that's pretty much it. That wraps up the show. If you want to follow us at all, go to genredpod.com, G-E-N-R-E-D-P-O-D.com. You'll find all of our links to our social media there, including Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, you can watch our YouTube channel right there on our website. You can follow our Facebook and our Twitter feeds right there on the website. It's the catch-all for everything that we do out there on the social media universe. Or if you like your podcast in audio form only, just find, do a search for Generation Red on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, like, share, and make sure you leave us a rating and a review. It certainly helps our show get noticed by other listeners. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to you who have watched us. This whole time, we really appreciate it. And until next time, I am not living or letting Iowa live rent-free in my head any longer. So I'm not going to say that their corn sucks, even though we all know it does. I'm just going to say that there's no place like Nebraska, right? Yep, and I'll, I, I will let them live rent-free in my head. Iowa's corn definitely sucks. And uh, 
um go big red <laughs> go big <laughs> actually red, their offense their offense sucks uh Holy probably cow. more than their than their uh corn sucks three points on saturday against a fcs school Granted, it was South Dakota State. They're pretty good, but holy cow. Three points on offense and two safeties. Seven to three. Wow. Thank God they gave Brian Ferentz a pay raise because that (laughs) offense is paying dividends. (laughs) Absolutely. He's great with coaching those quarterbacks, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Outstanding that day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all next week. Later. (laughs) 